Hi, I'm Valerie Loveless, and I'm just an everyday Latter-day Saint. I go to work, I have a family, I try to keep the commandments and get my scripture study in. I have a thirst for more gospel knowledge, but not always the time. If you're like me, then join me on my podcast, Everyday Saints. I'm going to take us into the topics that matter to you, pull them apart, listen to the experts and the authors, and keep you up to speed on what it is that Everyday Saints are talking about, reading, and listening to. Just search your podcast app for Everyday Saints and the Angel Moroni thumbnail. Welcome to the Come Follow Me with David Ridges podcast. I'm Julie Clough, author of Miracles in the Darkness, Building a Life After Loss. I'm your guest host for the week of October 11th through the 17th, covering Doctrine and Covenants section 115 to 120. In our most general, uh, most recent general conference, uh, just in this month of October, President Nelson said, it is now time that we each implement extraordinary measures, perhaps measures we have never taken before to strengthen our personal spiritual foundations. And today we're going to be looking at the ways that the Lord led the early saints to do just that during this time of restoration that we are still in, that they were to take extraordinary measures to establish Zion, just as we are today. And I hope that as we, as we look at the historical context in which they lived and the circumstances in which they lived, that we can then take strength and power and example from their experiences to strengthen our own personal spiritual foundations and to, to truly take extraordinary measures to do that. I want to further uh, comment on President Nelson's um, talk, Temple and Your Spiritual Foundation. In this talk, he said, it is now time that we each implement extraordinary measures, perhaps measures we have never taken before to strengthen our personal spiritual foundations. Unprecedented times call for unprecedented measures. My dear brothers and sisters, these are the latter days. If you and I are to withstand the forthcoming perils and pressures, it is imperative that we each have a firm spiritual foundation built upon the rock of our Redeemer, Jesus Christ. The temple lies at the center of strengthening our faith and spiritual fortitude because the Savior and His doctrine are the very heart of the temple. Everything taught in the temple through instruction and through the Spirit increases our understanding of Jesus Christ. His essential ordinances bind us to Him through sacred priesthood covenants. Then, as we keep our covenants, He endows us with His healing, strengthening power. And oh, how we will need his power in the days ahead. This was the theme of the early saints as well, that they should receive God's covenants and commands. Keep those covenants, be obedient, and God would send the healing, strengthening power. Not to get too far ahead of myself, but I recall how the saints in the early days of the restoration built the Nauvoo temple and kept it running day and night as they prepared to flee that city. There is no doubt in my mind that as they flooded the temple, 
they were being endowed with the Savior's healing, strengthening power for the journey ahead of them, just as our prophet has instructed us to be bound to Jesus Christ through sacred priesthood covenants. Then as we keep our covenants, he endows us with his healing, strengthening power with a reminder of our great need for his power in the days ahead. In the introduction to section 115, we see some major themes. There are some major themes in these sections of the Doctrine and Covenants. And because of our limited time together, we won't be able to to really dive into all those themes that are outlined in sections 115 through 120. And so I really encourage you to study these sections on your own and to to further study them with David Ridge's study of the Doctrine and Covenants Made Easier. He has some great insights in his book. Some of those insights I'll be sharing with you today, but again, there's too much here to cover in one 30 to 45 minute podcast episode. In section 115, the heading gives us clues of these major themes. The Lord names his church, the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Zion and her stakes are places of defense and refuge for the saints. The saints are commanded to build a house of the Lord at far west. Joseph Smith holds the keys of the kingdom of God on earth. Those are major themes that we see in these verses ahead. Each one is worthy of our attention. This revelation, section 115, was given through Joseph Smith, the prophet Joseph Smith, on April 26th, 1838 at Far West, Missouri. By this time, Far West, Missouri had become the main gathering place for the members of the church. And in January 1838, this was three months before this, um, almost four months before this particular section was revealed, the prophet and other leaders of the church had left Kirtland, Ohio, forced to leave because of the apostasy there. And the exodus continued with most other faithful saints following. And this this takes us from, they, they started in Jackson County, Missouri. Then they went to Clay County, Missouri, and all of this under duress, all of this as the the people of Missouri drove them from county to county. Now we find them in Caldwell County because the state legislature of Missouri had exclusively established Caldwell County as a gathering place for the saints. Far west in Caldwell County became the central gathering place. Interestingly, we find in section 115, verse 17, that they are instructed that it is my will, I'm going to just read directly from that verse, it is my will that the city of Far West should be built up speedily by the gathering of my saints. This was in, um, this was very different than the instruction that they had re- received previously as they gathered. For example, in section 58, the saints were instructed not to gather in haste nor by flight. And again, in section th- 63, they were told to gather to Zion in Missouri, not in haste. 
But here they are told to gather speedily to Fard West. In verse 6 of section 115, the Lord says that the gathering together upon the land of Zion and upon her stakes may be for a defense and for a refuge from the storm and from wrath when it shall be poured out without mixture upon the whole earth. We have heard this verse repeated several times as we think about the stakes of Zion. This was a a very specific verse about the the defense and the refuge from the storm that the stakes of Zion offer us as we gather. And in verse 7 and 8, they're given specific instruction about far west. Uh, Verse 7, Let the city far west be a holy and consecrated land unto me, and it shall be called most holy, for the ground upon which thou standest is holy. And verse 8, Therefore I command you to build a house unto me for the gathering together of my saints, and they that they may worship me. Here they are commanded to build a temple. And that's what we're going to focus on for just a moment, is this, this uh, commandment to, to build the temple in Far West. The Far West temple was announced in what we now referred to as section 115. And that was received again on April 26, 1838. And this temple site was dedicated by Brigham Young on July 4th, 1838, just a little over two months later. Let's look at a little more historical context for Far West and for the temple there. This is from the church's website. Far West was founded by the saints in August 1836. In anticipation of building a temple in Far West, a large public square was laid off in the center of town, resembling Joseph Smith's plan for the city of Zion, which was to be built in independence. Excavation for the foundation of the Far West Temple was accomplished by more than 500 men in half a day on July 3rd, 1837. So again, the, the announcement of the temple on April 26th and the, the laying of this foundation or the excavation for the foundation was accomplished by 500 men in half a day on July 3rd. And then on July 4th was the day of dedication. Far West was headquarters for the church from the time that the prophet Joseph Smith arrived on March 14th, 1838, until the expulsion of the saints in the spring of 1839. The cornerstones were laid for the Far West Temple on July 4th, 1838. Again, this is the day after the um, the excavation was done. At the cornerstone laying for the Far West Temple, President Sidney Rigdon gave his famous Independence Day oration. The speech's passionate declarations fueled tension between the saints and the citizens of Missouri, eventually culminating in the issuing of Governor Boggs' extermination order on October 27, 1838. Let's look at this speech from um, Brother Sidney Rigdon. And in this speech, he starts out with a very passionate, patriotic 
reminder of the founding of this great nation. He, he gave lengthy remarks as he honored the founding of the nation, as he honored those founding fathers. And he also announced the saint's own declaration of independence from any further mob violence or illegal activity in his remarks. Here's a small excerpt from his famous speech. He begins again with high praise for the founding of this nation and those who made it possible, especially the hand of the Lord in its establishment. Quote, By your request, I am called upon to address you this day under circumstances novel to myself, and I presume as much so to the most of you, in grateful acknowledgments to our divine benefactor on the anniversary of our national existence, but not before have we been assembled by reason of our holy religion, for which cause alone a very large majority of us is here this day. As we advanced in life, we heard nothing else from our statesmen and heroes but the perfection and excellence of our political institutions and the superiority of our government over all governments of the world. Whether they existed in former or latter times, we have been taught from our cradles to reverence the fathers of the revolution, and every feeling of our hearts responds in perfect unison to the precept. Our country and its institutions are written on the tablets of our hearts, as with the blood of the heroes who offered their lives in sacrifice to redeem us from oppression. On its towers the flag of freedom waves and invites the oppressed to enter and find an asylum. Under the safeguard of its constitution, the tyrant's grasp is unfastened, and equal rights and privileges flow to every part of the grand whole. Our government is known throughout the civilized world as the standard of freedom, civil, religious, and political. By it are the acts of all nations tried, and it serves to expose the frauds, the deceptions, and the crafts of the old world in attempting to pawn upon the people monarchy and aristocracy for republicanism and freedom. To preserve it ought to be our aim in all our pursuits, to maintain its constitution unviolable, its institutions uncorrupted, its laws unviolated, and its order underanged. In celebrating this, the anniversary of our independence, all party distinctions should be forgotten. All religious differences should be laid aside. We are members of one common republic, equally dependent on a faithful execution of its laws for our protection in the enjoyment of our civil, political, and religious privileges. All have a common interest in the preservation of the Union and in the defense and support of the Constitution. He continues in this vein of patriotic oration. In the final remarks of his speech, he continues, quote, Knowing therefore the terrors of the Lord, we warn our fellow men, not only by precept, but example also, by leaving our former homes, to which we were bound by the strongest ties, suffering a sacrifice for the greatest share of our earthly possessions. We take God and all the holy angels to witness this day, that we warn all men in the name of Jesus Christ to come on us no more forever, 
for from this hour we will bear it no more. Our rights shall no more be trampled on with impunity. Neither will we indulge any man or set of men in instituting vexatious lawsuits against us to cheat us out of our just rights. If they attempt it, we say woe unto them. We will never be the aggressors. We will infringe on the rights of no people, but shall stand for our own until death. We claim our own rights and are willing that all others shall enjoy theirs. No man shall be at liberty to come unto our streets to threaten us with mobs, for if he does, he shall atone for it before he leaves the place, neither shall he be at liberty to vilify and slander any of us, for suffer it we will not in this place. We this day then proclaim ourselves free, with a purpose and a determination that never can be broken. No, never, no, never, no, never. End quote. And thus, Brother Sidney ended his remarks with a stern warning, which is said to have inflamed the people in their area, and which fueled the tensions with the saints and the, the people of Missouri, and eventually culminated in the extermination order from Governor Boggs. The Far West Temple site was reacquired by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in 1909 under the direction of Joseph F. Smith. In 1968, the church beautified the Far West Temple site and erected a monument. The monument includes three large stone tablets with excerpts from the from these sections of the Doctrine and Covenants. In the central tallest monument section is the verses from Doctrine and Covenants 115, 7 and 8. Let the city far west be a holy and consecrated land unto me, and it shall be called most holy, for the ground upon which thou standest is holy. Therefore I command you to build a house unto me, for the gathering together of my saints, that they may worship me. That is the central stone of this erected monument. On the left of that stone are two um, two sections that read, first it says, the name of the church from a, le- a revelation to Joseph Smith. For thus shall my church be called in the last days, even the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Verily I say unto you all, arise and shine forth, that thy light may be a standard for the nations. Doctrine and Covenants 115.4-5 Then the law of tithing, from a revelation to Joseph Smith. And this shall be the beginning of the tithing of my people. And after that, those who have thus been tithed shall pay one-tenth of all their interest annually. And this shall be a standing law unto them forever. For my holy priesthood, saith the Lord. Doctrine and Covenants one nineteen three through four. So let's take a look at those few verses that stand on the left side of this monument. First, the name of the church. Previous to this revelation, the church did not have a standard name. In fact, it was referred to by 
a lot of different names, including the Church of Christ, the Church of Jesus Christ, the Church of the Latter-day Saints, the Church of Christ of Latter-day Saints, and the Church of God. But in these verses, verses 3 and 4 of section 115, the Lord establishes the official name of the church. And of course, our prophet, President Russell M. Nelson, in October uh, 2018 session of General Conference, he reestablished the importance of the name, the official name of the church, as it was established by the Lord himself. President Nelson said, My dear brothers and sisters, I promise you that if we will do our best to restore the correct name of the Lord's church, he whose church this is will pour down his power and blessings upon the heads of the Latter-day Saints, the likes of which we have never seen. We will have the knowledge and power of God to help us take the blessings of the restored gospel of Jesus Christ to every nation, kindred, tongue, and people, and to prepare the world for the second coming of the Lord. So what's in a name? When it comes to the Lord's church, the answer is everything. Jesus Christ directed us to call the the church by his name because it is his church filled with his power. These are remarkable blessings that the prophet promised us if we would use the correct name of the church. And I, myself, from even this latest conference, once again, am reminded of the importance of using the official name of the church. Now, as for the law of tithing, we go to section 119, from which these verses were taken um, that are inscribed on this monument, in section 119 to the heading that was given for this section. This revelation given through Joseph Smith the prophet of Far West Missouri, July 8, 1838, in answer to his supplication, O Lord, show unto thy servants how much thou requirest of the properties of thy people for a tithing. The law of tithing, as understood today, had not been given to the church previous to this revelation. The term tithing in the prayer just quoted and previous revelations had meant not just one-tenth, but all free will offerings or contributions to the church funds. The Lord had previously given to the church the law of consecration and stewardship of property, which members, chiefly the leading elders, enter into by a covenant that was to be everlasting. Because of failure on the part of many to abide by this covenant, the Lord withdrew it for a time and gave instead the law of tithing to the whole church. The prophet asked the Lord how much of their property he required for sacred purposes. The answer was this revelation. This revelation was given just four days after the dedication of the uh, temple foundation and establishes tithing as one tenth, whereas before it was not, it was not uh, understood to be one tenth as the Lord uh, in revealed in this section of the doctrine and covenants on the far right of the monument was inscribed these words, 
The first great missionary call across the waters given to the members of the twelve apostles in this day from a revelation to and prophecy by Joseph Smith. And next spring, let them depart to go over the great waters and there promulgate my gospel, the fullness thereof, and bear record of my name. Let them take leave of my saints in the city of far west on the 26th day of April next, on the building spot of my house, saith the Lord. Doctrine and Covenants 118, verse 4 and 5. You'll notice in these verses quoted that there was a specific place and date that they were to leave for their mission. But by the time April 26, 1839 came around, which was the date specified that they were to leave for their mission across the waters from that temple site, the saints had been completely driven from Missouri and into Illinois. Not only that, but also some of the Missourians knew of the plan of the Twelve to leave from far west on that date, and they were determined to prevent it so that Joseph Smith would become a false prophet, at least as far as his prophecy was concerned. Any members of the church who entered Missouri were considered fair game. Regardless, the prophecy was fulfilled just after midnight. On April 26, 1839, Apostles Brigham Young, Heber C. Kimball, Orson Pratt, John E. Page, John Taylor, Wilford Woodruff, and George A. Smith, along with about 20 other members of the church, gathered at the Far West Temple site as a preliminary to the mission of several of the Twelve to England. They sang part of a hymn, and Elder Cutler, the master workman of the house, then recommenced laying the foundation of the Lord's house by rolling a large stone near the southeast corner. All seven of the apostles present offered prayers, and the group sang the hymn, Adam on Diamond. This is from the history of the church. They said, Thus was fulfilled a revelation of July 8, 1838, which our enemies had said could not be fulfilled, as no Mormon would be permitted to be in the state. But they came. They came shortly after midnight, and they held this this meeting at the temple site uh, before leaving on their missions. I love their faithfulness in being exact in their in in following the Lord's commands. Because how easy would it to be to just say, well, we were supposed to do this on this date from this place, but since we've been driven out of the state and we're no longer permitted there, that's no longer possible. But instead they found a way. They did it. They made it happen. And the miracle happened that day. The Lord in his mercy continues to reveal his truth and restore his church and restore us line upon line and precept upon precept. In President Nelson's concluding remarks in the most recent conference, October 2021, he once again establishes the name and purpose of the Church of Jesus Christ with these words, This is the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. We are His covenant people. The Lord declared that He would hasten His work in its time, 
and he is doing so at an ever-increasing pace, we are privileged to participate in his holy work. President Nelson concludes his remarks with this blessing, which I leave with you today. He said, I invoke a blessing upon all who are seeking greater light, knowledge, and truth. I love you, dear brothers and sisters. The Lord knows you and loves you. He is your Savior and your Redeemer. He leads and guides His church. He will lead and guide you in your personal life if you will make time for Him in your life each and every day. May God be with you until we meet again. I pray in the sacred name of Jesus Christ. Amen.